Today's podcast is presented by Podco. Podco is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podco. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podco.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add the Stuff Up podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podco section of the application. Welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast, a place where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others, while having some fun along the way. Today, I speak with my friend Anne about one of the best TV shows out there. You guessed it, The Office. We discuss Michael's cringiest moments. And of course, you can play the drinking game on how many times we say cringe and cringy. Is Toby the worst? Or do you actually like him? And who is the better cat? Sprinkles? Garbage? Or Bandit? We also had fun talking about Michael's progression into self-awareness and how he is able to eventually laugh at himself and find love. Okay, I am here with my friend Anne, who loves The Office even more than me. You've seen The Office like a gazillion times, and you know everything related to The Office. (laughs) Yep, that is probably very true, yes. (laughs) So I just wanted to have like a conversation about The Office and all the funny moments, the cringy (laughs) moments, the weird moments, (laughs) and our opinion on certain people. Totally. Yes. Thank you for inviting me to chat with you about this today. (laughs) Okay. So I kind of want to talk about Michael's cringiest moments. Do you have certain ones that you feel that you can think off the top of your head that you think is the cringiest? So for me, I often think of Michael's progression through the seasons. So I would say a lot of the episodes like in the first season, um, I like I've gone I've watched this show kind of like you said like between 100 and 200 times probably now I feel like it's the Um, only show you watch sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yep definitely go through periods my my default show when I finish a show is I always usually go back and watch like part of if not all of the office again because I just love it um but I would say like there's some first episodes in the first season that are quite cringy um and at times uncomfortable to watch and like I, I had tried the office. It took me like, it took me a while to get into it. I think because of how uncomfortable, like season one and part of season two are, there's a purse lady who comes in at the beginning. Oh, the hot lady up. Is it hot girl? I think that's the title of the show. That might be it. Uh, it's Amy. I forget what the actress's name is. Amy something. I think I always want to call her Isla Fisher because they look alike. Amy she Adams. Looks like Isla, Amy Adams. That's it. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. got the red hair. 
And I just remember that episode was really uncomfortable. Yes, um, I hate that episode actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the when the merger happens and the other office kind of they they take on the staff from the, the office that's closed, some of that those like trying to integrate the the new staff, like those episodes are quite uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Well the on that episode, the merger, season three, episode eight. Michael has the other staff get up on the table. Yeah. And so, but Tony's this big guy. So Michael's like, come on, Tony, get up on the table. And he's like, I, I really don't think I can. He and Dwight start pushing on his butt and like trying to get yeah. him up there. And then Tony just yeah. quits. That part is yeah. so, and as somebody who's dealt like a struggle with my weight over the years, I was like, oh, I can totally just feel how Tony would be feeling at that moment. It's uncomfortable to watch because it makes you, oh my God, Michael, like just clue in what, just wake up to what's happening in the moment. Yeah. Like everyone around him is uncomfortable and you just like sense the atmosphere in that moment. You're like, oh my God, just, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Michael's cringiest moments are these are the main ones is happy hour. That is when, uh, oh, Oscar wants to date. I think his name's Matt, uh, in the warehouse. And so they all go out to this bar Okay. or, uh, they're, they're playing pool and there's like all these games. And then, yeah. uh, Pam and Jim have a friend that they want Michael to meet. And so he doesn't realize that it's a date until Jim says something. And then he got, becomes date Mike. Yes. Yes. And he has the, the hat on backwards, I think. And, yeah. yeah. And, oh, and he, he tries to, um, uh, what's it called? He ties to like the cherry. He tries to stem. tie a cherry string stem with his tongue. Yeah, and ends up choking or something. But yeah. it's so sad because before he becomes date Mike, he's act like he's making her laugh. He's like just you know cool. Like, yeah. He's somebody you kind of have fun with, and then all of a sudden he's like cringy and like no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he becomes. Uh, it's like he's so uncomfortable that he's no longer relatable or you can't connect with him because he's trying to be someone he isn't. But when he's like, just trying to, when he's comfortable and just being his, himself, like he, he's someone you could connect with potentially. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're right. He realizes what's actually happening in that scene and, or in that episode. And he just transforms into this like person who's, you can't connect with. He's like trying to be someone he's not. So you, and, and kind of failing at it or, and, so it's like you just like on some level I felt bad for him, but I also recognized like it'd be really hard to connect with someone like with someone like that on a date if they did that, right? For all of Michael's progression, um, where you see him kind of grow up near when he meets Holly and, and goes through all yeah. that. But he's always trying too hard. He's trying to be somebody that he's not, which makes it even worse. And then yeah, because he doesn't have that level of awareness that what he's doing which is so sad he he definitely like he you see it like really intensely in the beginning of the show just like his level of self-awareness he I think it's like this uh like he feels like he he isn't good enough just the way he is and so he always has to be this like perfect version of himself but it's it's like he has this fantasy of who he thinks he should be in order to be liked by people right 
Yeah. Uh, but that fantasy actually prevents him from connecting with people when he tries to be that version of himself. But yeah, he definitely, I think part of the, his character and the progression of the show is him becoming more comfortable, like in his own skin with who he is. Yeah. He's like human, right. But he thinks he needs to be some superhero version of himself in order to be liked and connect. Well, you know what's interesting with that, the episode Threat Level Midnight, when they're showing his movie that he did, and oh, yeah. you see, because he, when people start, I think it's Jim can't help but start to giggle, and then he's so, and then Michael just gets so mad, and then later on, yeah. he's able to laugh at himself, and you're yeah. like, oh, yay, Michael, you're able to start <laughs> laughing at yourself, and you kind of start yeah. feeling like maybe he's going to this is a point where he's going to start to be able to grow up a little bit or. Yeah, totally. He, he's growing into himself. He's growing into both his, you know, his, his perfect imperfectness. I always like to say that about people, right? Cause he has like, he has good qualities. He's very sensitive and, um, but like, yeah, accepting that, like um, sometimes he's awkward and clumsy and, you know, says and does things imperfectly, right? So he like grows into himself a little bit more um, when he is able to laugh at like what you were just saying that that movie in the end, he finally is able to laugh at it a little bit, right? Like laugh along with his yeah. his coworkers is instead of thinking that like the laughter is, it's almost like he takes it as a malicious judgment initially, but at the end, he's just like, we're laughing together at the, the, you know, the humanness of this movie, right? Actually, yeah. in that regard, the episode, I don't know if it's called Koi Pond, but remember the Koi Pond where Michael falls in? Yeah. <laughs> and then actually Jim gets also in trouble because there's video of him kind of like stepping back and then all everyone's dissing on Jim. Yeah. But Jim yep. says to Michael, you know, if you start laughing at yourself, people will feel more relaxed and they won't laugh at you. And then Michael does it, but then he goes way too far and, and reveals too much, which becomes <laughs> awkward again. Yeah. But I can totally identify with that because growing up, I was the exact same way. Like everything I took was, I took it also personally, yeah. probably because I am a highly sensitive person. Yeah. And so it wasn't until like you grow up and mature a bit and you're like, okay, I can start laughing at myself. But you know, I, I totally understand Michael kind of in that respect. Yeah, like I can relate to that too. You can only laugh at yourself once you realize that it's okay to not be perfect, right? Yeah. Or that you don't have to be perfect. Then it becomes then it becomes easier to laugh at your imperfections because it's okay, right? But when you think that like your imperfections um, make you inherently flawed or something like that, then there there's so much shame that I don't think you can laugh at them. The episode Gay Witch Hunt, season three, episode one, mm. when Oscar <laughs> comes out as gay and then Michael holds a meeting and he wants everyone to be more accepting and he tries to, uh, he actually kisses Oscar and Oscar is like fighting it. And it's just so awful to watch. He, he really is stumbling around in that episode with how to, like he's having his own reactions to what's happening, but he's also trying to, f- figure out how he can be inclusive. And I think he's also unable to see Oscar's discomfort in all of it. Like, I just feel like Michael just stumbles and stumbles that whole (laughs) episode until the episode ends and you're like, oh God, I can breathe again. He's trying too hard again. 
Dinner Party, season four, episode nine. Now, this is another, this is one episode I've always hated. And a lot of people say this is their favorite. <laughs> my friend Shannon was like, that one's my favorite. I was like, but it's so cringy. And she goes, that's why, you know, and I'm like, what? So Michael always wanted Jim and Pam to come over for dinner. So he fakes everyone out by saying, we all have to work late. And then he's like, no, I was just kidding. And then Jim and Pam have no excuse but to come over for dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His girlfriend, Jan, are fighting and it's just, oh, it's just so awful. I just can't even, like, they're so passive aggressive yeah. with each other. And, and then they don't, Jan hasn't even cooked dinner. So they have to, like, wait. What is it? It goes on forever. Seven hours or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. How does that rank with you, that episode? Do you yeah. like it? Yeah, I, I've i seen it a lot. I wouldn't say, I thought it like revealed for me, I would say I liked it because it I got to know Michael a little bit better through that episode and the relationship a little bit better, the relationship between Michael and Jan. And like, I think I found that episode quite sad just because obviously like, I think it kind of signaled that the relationship was nearing its its conclusion. Um but I did like it. I think, yeah, like there was a lot of drama and it made me sad. But it was also like there was for me, there was funny moments. It shows you, I think the episode reveals more deeply Michael's quirks and yeah. right. Like that make up who he is. And yeah, like I, I could just and how incompatible him and Jan are fundamentally sort of as well, I think. So I True. just felt like it helped me get to know Michael better. And I think as a viewer, I'm, I'm drawn to that. So yes, it was super cringy in certain moments, but I'm, there's a part of me, like at that point in the series, I'm just so invested in getting to know Michael better, right? Another really cringy moment was in the deposition episode, uh, season four, episode 12. So Jan gets fired because she's horrible. Uh, (laughs) She says it's because she got a boob job. (laughs) And then Michael has to, so he, he loves Dunder Mifflin so much. And he wants to do what he can for them. But he's also dating Jan, who's um, suing them. So Jan gets his diary and reads it out, has her lawyer read it out. In the deposition, (laughs) yeah. Oh, my heart broke in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, dear diary. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think that was like that, like quirkiness to Michael is kind of endearing because it's, there's a very, like, there's an innocence to him in those moments that you're like, oh, I want to like, I'm drawn to that innocence, right? Like it feels special in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little girl, like dear diary. Jan and I had our first kiss or whatever. Yep. Yep. Actually, in uh, the Office Ladies podcast with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, who are Pam and Angela. They talk about Michael's, Jenna says she has a hard time watching anything related to Michael's childhood. So in the episode, Take Your Daughter to Work Day, season two, episode 18, there's a video that Michael shows all the the kids that come of him on a TV show. And he says, I was a child star back in the day. But it's so awkward and sad when the little puppet guy says, ask Michael what he wants to be when he grows up. And he goes, he wants to have a family with so many kids so that he can have friends who will never leave him. 
Yeah. And then the puppet just has this like expression like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with this response? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like we we sort of are we don't see very much as viewers, but we get the impression that Michael's childhood was like, yeah, kind of lonely and isolating and painful at times. Yeah. Hence, you know, kind of hinting at why he is the way he is, right? Like he hasn't matured. He didn't have the support he needed to grow and mature um, and understand himself and sort of like, yeah. So it's funny, like he didn't get to grow up during his childhood, but I almost feel like he gets to grow up during the, the like, uh, he's only in seven seasons, but like the se- yeah. seven seasons of the show. Um, so it's like we get to watch him grow up and yeah. he never did get to grow up during his childhood, sort of. Yeah. True. Well, that also comes into Phyllis's wedding episode where Michael gets to walk. Yeah. He gets to push Albert, who is Phyllis's father, who's in a wheelchair. He gets to push him down the aisle. So basically he's walking Phyllis down the aisle or so he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, he also shows a clip of when he's, I think he's the ring bearer, right? For his mother's wedding to Jeff, his yeah. stepdad. Yeah. And then it shows him and it's like his, his front, he peed his pants and then yeah. he goes, I hate you. And then it ended up the dog became the ring bearer. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. so we get to see a little bit of like, oh, poor Michael. Like that's such a, another moment of his childhood that you just feel so yeah. sad for him. Your, your heart kind of your heart breaks for him a little bit, I think. Yeah, just because yeah. it seems, like, incredibly painful and lonely and isolating. And, like, yeah, no one knew what, no one knew quite what to do with Michael and all his sensitivity growing up, right? No. <laughs> oh. But what I was, I always say that the cringiest episode for me, I mean, later on, it's also, I don't know, season, like, eight and nine as well, because, okay, once Michael leaves. But um, Scott's Tots. Yeah. Episode season six, episode twelve. So okay. Now is it when they're they're graduating grade eight? I don't know. The kids are in one grade, and then Michael says he'll pay for their college tuition if they, if graduate they make high it school. and graduate grade. Yeah, grade twelve. Yeah, I'm not sure when he makes the promise, um, but he does like a, a number of years before, and then he shows up at the graduation grade twelve, and is like, uh. What is, he gifts them something. Batteries? Computer batteries. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but and he says, I was just like, ugh. He says, well, when I was 30, I thought I'd be a millionaire but I, by the time I was 40. And when I was 40, I had less money than when I was 30. And so he had that good intention of paying for their intuition, or their intuition, paying for their tuition. Yeah. But he couldn't fulfill that promise because he wasn't rich. And it's just awful. The one, you know what? The redeeming quality of that episode was, and Aaron was actually the one to point it out, that most of these kids, there was a higher percentage of them graduating high school because Michael had promised that. Whereas if he hadn't have promised yeah. that, they a lot of them would have dropped out. So that was yeah. one redeeming quality of the episode, but I still don't like that episode. <laughs> Yeah, that episode kind of felt like you were being reminded of old Michael again, or the Michael that we knew at the beginning of the of the series. So I think it was like, again, it was kind of painful to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, the silver lining, like you said, Aaron pointed out that like a higher percentage graduated than would have likely graduated if he hadn't made that promise. 
Um, but yeah, I think in that episode, we're kind of reminded of who, you know, Michael's, the fact that he like used to really live in this fantasy of who he thought he should be. Right. And it's painful to, you know, again, be sort of see the, see the consequences of that impacting other people that, you know, were innocent sort of. Yeah. I guess there's probably different schools of thought on this, although I haven't actually looked it up. What do you think of Toby? Is he the worst (laughs) or is he like in the middle or is he like cool? (laughs) I personally settle probably somewhere in the middle I, yeah, I never quite know what to say other than I probably land somewhere in the middle. There's moments where, yeah, I find Toby is, he's hard to like pin down and that is frustrating. He seems like a nice guy. I think at times it's frustrating to see like, why can't things kind of work out? Sometimes I'm like, Michael, like, like Creed is kind of a quirky character. (laughs) Yeah, But somehow, Mike, I, I think what I've always struggled to understand, and I feel like maybe the office didn't do a good enough job of really, really telling us like all of why Michael hated Toby, because I'm like, Creed's a quirky character. I would say he's kind of hangs in the background in, in a sense of like, similarly to Toby, but Michael doesn't hate Creed as much. So there's something, so I think maybe, I mean, partly maybe it's the job that Toby has just in being like a human resources uh, personnel. But uh, yeah, Michael hates people who kind of burst his bubble or burst the fantasy or, you know, prevent him from living out that fantasy that he so desperately wants to live out. And so maybe that's part of it. But I always thought like from a psychological perspective, I always thought like potentially there was more that could have been explored or revealed. But it was just like it was just like a quirk of Michael's that I think was comical was yeah how much he disliked Toby but again like I think I didn't hate him as much as some people did Michael hated him yeah a lot and I didn't quite hate him that much but I do understand why people just couldn't couldn't bring themselves to like him yeah I did hear that it was mostly or it started out because of Toby's job and HR is to tell him like don't do this don't do that yeah and because he wants to be known as like this amazing speaker he wants to teach and then because every time Toby's like I have to go through this handbook or I have to hold this meeting and Michael's like I'm gonna do my own meeting or you know he has to do his own demonstrations or something yeah yeah like but it was you think about like David Wallace he David Wallace kind of did a a similar thing and so did Jan they put a damper on his uh his ability to be who he wanted to be in his position and he didn't quite hate them to the same level. In fact, like he had a relationship with Jan, right? <laughs> so I find like, that's where I'm like, okay. So it seems like it was a combination of both Toby's role and who Toby was as a person. Um, so I think like, I felt like there could have been more explored, but yeah, I, yeah. Wasn't there a line? I don't know what episode he goes. I, I hate everything that you choose to be or something. He says that to Toby. Probably, something, yeah. Something like <laughs> that. That sounds like something Michael would have said to Toby. Yeah. I used to feel really bad for Toby. And I was even like, oh, he likes Pam, you know. But over the years rewatching it, Toby is just so bland. I am like, he's like, oh, Michael. I can't even do an impression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael, maybe. Yeah, like I think. That. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shut up, Toby. Like, you're so boring. <laughs> 
Yeah. I think part of that, like, that's where I'm like, I think the writers, they never wanted you to really like Toby. So they didn't give you anything. Like with Michael, they gave you a guy who's complicated, right? There's parts of him that you're drawn to, like his innocence um, and things like that. But with Toby, I'm like, they gave us nothing to like really, except for the fact that like he wasn't maliciously mean towards anyone really. Yeah. But like, that was it. That was the only thing they gave him in terms of like a reason to, to like him. Right. Everything else was just like, there was, it was like, there was nothing. It was very neutral or negative. Right. Although there were moments and he was so kind, like, uh, Jim and Pam's wedding when Michael didn't make a reservation, but thought he would have a room at the Mm -hmm. hotel. And then Toby's like, you can stay with me, Michael, even though Michael hates the guy. He's still offers, yeah, but I'm like, right. I don't think I would that's offer. Right. I mean, maybe that's part of it too. Like, um, Michael hates Toby because of how clueless he at times seems, right? Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Michael just, which is funny because at times Michael's really clueless, right? So it's like, yeah, he, he, something like he has that clueless part of himself, but he hates it in other people. Um, I don't know. I find that intriguing. Or, you know, when somebody, when you do something and then that person acts in um, kindness or, or love and you feel really bad so that you actually end up hating that person because you're yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's also part of that. He kind of wishes he were a little bit more like Toby. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like able to let things go easier. Maybe he like Toby's like, Michael's really sensitive and Toby's like very, like, I wouldn't say he's insensitive, but he's just, nothing affects him quite as intensely as it seems to yeah. affect Michael. So maybe he wishes he was more, like, neutral like Toby, but can't be. And I Yeah, don't know, Toby's chill. He just Very seems chill. to let nothing really bother him that much. Yeah. Or I've had managers that I was always so jealous of seeing how, uh, is chill the right word? Just, like normal, I guess, <laughs> emotionally stable yeah. where I'd be like crying and, and so like stressed out and they're just like, you know, just chill about things. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> so in that regards, I do yeah. admire Toby for that, but, um, I do find him kind of boring. So yeah. Oh yeah. He, he is, he is boring as a character. Yeah. Like he doesn't want him and his ex-wife or his wife split up. Like there, he doesn't fight for her or they never show any of that. I mean, there's the controversy about him being this grand strangler, uh, (laughs) but that's about the only exciting thing that ever happens to Toby in the show. Yeah. And then he even moves to, doesn't he move to Max? Is it Mexico? Costa Rica. (laughs) What? I know. I know. I know. My bad. My bad. I haven't seen that episode in a while, Uh, but yes, he moves to Costa Rica and then, um, even, you know, just that doesn't work out. Right. And that's so anticlimactic. I know. You're so excited for him. And then, yeah, no, I get, I get every time he says, Costa Rica, I'm like, Oh, I just hate hearing those <laughs> words from his mouth. I don't know why, but okay. To- Toby had, I think his cringiest moment was when he put his, his hand on Pam's knee. Yeah. During yeah, the episode. That was very, was that episode when, and I think it was called a night out or something. Mike, Michael and Dwight go visit Ryan in New York and they party. And then the office works late, but then they get locked in. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that episode. And then Toby, when they're sitting all waiting for someone to come let them out, I think he puts his hands on her his hand on her knee. Yeah. Sitting beside her or something. Yeah, that was Yeah. Didn't like him. (laughs) Didn't like him for doing that. Nope. So another character I really hate. And every time I see Idris Elba, I'm just like, I'm sorry, but he he was mean to Michael. Like <laughs> he's oh, like Charles yeah. Minor. <laughs> oh, Charles. Oh I hated Charles. And I hated I, Charles. I understand him. Like from a business point of view, Michael is wasting time and money and resources. But Charles was like, I don't know, he just seemed kind of grumpy to me. I, I was, he was mean to Jim. Okay. That, that made me angry because Jim yeah. as a joke, wore a tuxedo yeah. work just to get, a, get back at Dwight for something. And then that was the day Charles came and then Charles was like, Oh, you think that's funny or something? I don't know. Or you don't take work seriously. And then, and I was mad at him for that. And then he's just mean to Michael. So I was like, I don't like you. Yeah. Charles was, uh, he, I felt like he was, he was only concerned about himself and how to make himself look good. And that was just like, I was automatically disliked him for that reason. Right. And like anyone who like didn't take work seriously and wasn't able to contribute to him, like, you know, looking good and achieving a lot professionally that he just like dismissed and didn't take seriously and didn't really value as an employee. Um, That's interesting. I never really thought of it like that where he wants to, not have any fun. Yeah, like he didn't. Did he have fun? I don't think so. He was pretty serious. Like he was a pretty serious character. Yeah. I'm the type that I have to have fun at work. Um, Me too. <laughs> so I don't think Charles and I would have gotten along. I would have hated him. I would have been like, ugh, he's the worst. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think that I would be friends with Pam and Jim. No, I'm pretty sure I would have been pr- friends with Pam and Jim. Yes. I feel like that's something everyone wants is like Pam and Jim are the cool kids on the show. And everyone's like, yeah, I would have gotten along, been friends with them. Because I definitely have had that thought before too. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those um, articles or things? People talk about Jim actually being uh, malicious or like the mean boy. The mean boy. <laughs> Jim is actually mean. Have you seen that? Yeah. What do you think of that? Like, I, I haven't read too many of those, but I think I've seen them pop up here and there that, I mean, I guess depending on how you view Jim's behavior, he could definitely, you could potentially, like, draw that conclusion of, like, he's kind of, uh, kind of insensitive a little bit. It kind of, I think it, like, it depends on, like, if you look at his character and everything that he did, like, what, what, what uh, moments do you want to focus in on and what moments do you want to kind of disregard? Right. Because I felt like, yeah, at the beginning of the show, he kind of had a little more of a, like, I'm here, but like this place is so weird and I don't care about it. And I just, this is just like a temporary thing. Um, But I feel like he matures a little bit and grows as well. I did struggle with his relationship with Karen a bit. I felt like he kind of, strung her along even when he was like clearly interested in Pam again and I was just like I guess I put myself in that situation I was like yeah that, I feel like that would be kind of a not cool thing to do uh, but was 
my perspective was that like he wasn't being maliciously mean. He just like didn't, you know, was kind of like losing himself in the drama of it all. Right. Well, the office ladies, they talk about wishy-washy gym and, (laughs) um, but then somebody pointed out, they're like, well, if you told the woman that you love, that you love her and then she rejects you, you leave and then you come back, but you're, you're trying to make it with somebody else. Yeah. You're trying to move on sort of. I mean, it's just kind of, I, yeah, we want Jim to be kind of like perfect, but we see his imperfections in some of those moments where he's just trying his best. And even he doesn't really know what to do, I guess. But yeah, I would agree. Like he's doing his best and he doesn't really know what to do either. Like Jim isn't perfect either. Right. He's still kind of, he's, he seems less like messy um, compared to some of the other characters, but he stumbles his way through certain things still, right? Like his relationship with Karen and Pam, like he fumbled his way through, I think like that sort of when they were all working together, there was moments where, yeah, definitely it wasn't like maybe handled the best that it could have been handled. And I think Jim often, like he had kind of like, he always had a witty comment about things. And sometimes that could potentially like, maybe you could perceive him as being a little bit insensitive. My conclusion was that like he, multiple things can be true at once, right? Like he can, he can look at a situation kind of comically and also take it seriously at the same time. Often they would portray one response, like one or the other. You wouldn't show him, they wouldn't show him taking a situation seriously and being comical at the same time. But he definitely did have like a really witty side where he kind of had a comment about everything and everyone, right? Uh, but what, remember when he found out about Dwight and Angela and the fact that they were, you know, together and he was my gift to him because he saved his life sort of, um, was like, he was going to keep that private. And I was like, you know what? That seems really genuine and, and thoughtful, right? Yeah. Or when, so. when they could, Jim and Pam, when they could see, you know, they would bug Dwight for something, then they could see like when he and Angela were, were breaking up or, and they would have these moments of like being kind to him and. And I love those kind of things because it's not all mean. Nope. And I mean, I've done stuff to people at work. I mean, usually it's just joking, you know. So a lot yeah. of the things I see, I could see myself in Jim, but, and also Dwight kind of deserves it a lot of it. They, they created this dynamic together that was just the best to watch, right? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. At the end, like there were some very, I would say sensitive, tender moments between, um, yeah, Jim and Dwight around like when when uh, Dwight was in a lot of pain from the breakup with Angela. Like Jim was like so, I would say compassionate and like yeah. certain during like there was one conversation I remember in particular where I don't remember what episode it was, but it was yeah he found Dwight in the staircase and to him I think when they went to go stay at Dwight's beet farm for the oh that too yeah yeah oh oh sorry you said the stairwell stairwell yeah that might have all been the same episode I don't remember that's when Angela gave back um he kept her little angel thing um but he had to give her back all of her stuff and she gave him back her stuff because he killed sprinkles (laughs) and that was when he killed the cat that was yep that was that yep yeah did you ever watch the British office (sighs) Nope, I never have. Okay, 
I recently rewatched it. I watched it way back when I, like kind of before the U.S. office. Okay. And I, I loved it. But rewatching it, honestly, it's even more cringy than even the first time. Uh, and they're actually even quite, it's a lot meaner. It's a lot, because um, the Tim character, who's the Jim character, is mean to Gareth, who is the Dwight character. But like, I don't know. I read this article. They're like, it was really mean because Gareth is even a little bit maybe autistic or something. And they just think it's really. Oh, wow. But I, I find that that one's a little more malicious than, okay. um, and even more cringy. So no, I think I had heard that, that it was like a little more, maybe it was even you who told me this prior to today. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. That it was just like a little more incense. There was less there was more insensitivity um, in the British version, whereas like there's a little bit more depth maybe to certain moments in the American version. Yeah. And warmth. Mm, Well, also that one was only like 12 episodes, the British one. So we got a lot of character development in the U S. True. True. Like if they had only ended at the first or second season of the office, can you imagine? I don't think people would have liked it as much by any means. No. We're going to take a little commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about cats. Who's better, sprinkles, garbage, or bandit? Hey, crumb lovers, this one's for you. Check out Crumb Trails by L, located in Brampton, servicing the GTA. Contact us for your personalized orders. Specializing in buttercream cakes and cupcakes, we also offer a variety of cookies, Cheesecakes, cheesecake minis, and our ever-famous maple walnut walnut bars. Check out our page on Instagram at crumbtrailsbyl. That's crumbtrails.by.elle. Or contact us at 416-473-5845 for all your crumbtaculous needs. Do you have a favorite cat? <laughs> so we have oh. we have sprinkles, we yep. have garbage, and yep. we have bandit. As far as I remember, I know she has a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, you were led to believe that she had a pretty significant number of cats in her <laughs> in her life. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with the cats as I would like to be, probably, but I think garbage. I mean, I just I found that moment quite funny <laughs> like Dwight's idea of how to repair the situation was just to like bring a barn cat I think it was a barn cat that he called garbage because it ate garbage and like give it to Angela and it was just like a moment of yeah the characters were very not on the same page about how to make the situation better and it was I mean it, I, obviously I felt sad but it was also quite funny just like the way Dwight did it and how garbage factored so I, I think maybe garbage is a favorite yeah so what happened was, for those who don't know, Sprinkles was really, really sick. And Angela had to go to the hospital to visit Meredith, and she couldn't go home for lunch to take care of Sprinkles, so she asked Dwight to do it. Dwight was like, this cat is sick and needs to just be put down, so he kind of killed it and then put it in her freezer so it wouldn't smell. Uh, but she found out because 
there was claw marks in like the French fries in the freezer. And so she's like, he wasn't, Sprinkles wasn't dead. I don't, was Sprinkles a girl or a boy? I actually don't know. <laughs> and so, so Dwight killed Sprinkles. So he tried to remedy the situation by bringing her garbage. <laughs> yeah. But then afterwards, when Angela didn't want it, he just dumped it in some office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sprinkles was, I mean, poor cat. And in the context of the show, it was just so random. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, garbage was funny, but my favorite, and it's because of the scene, I guess, but in stress relief episode when everyone's like Dwight starts the fire and everyone's freaking out and then Angela throws up bandit because Oscar goes in the ceiling to try to get help and she goes save bandit and she throws the cat and then the cat like (laughs) like was it doesn't it kind of like meows or like hisses and then it falls through the ceiling yep otherwise I don't know anything else about bandit but (laughs) that one is hilarious what do you think of okay so Robert California is the manager kind of after they go through a different a variety of managers after Michael leaves. Yeah. What did you think of him? Did you, I found him just super creepy like all the time, but. Yeah. Like I think, I think in the end I, I did like, I was like, this guy seems really like he doesn't even know what he wants or like you questioned how capable he was at actually being a CEO. Um, but I think initially, like, he was kind of mysterious and seemed intelligent and very capable. Um, and so I was, like, intrigued in, at the beginning. But I would say, yeah, by the time he left, because he wasn't there for too long. But by the time he left, I, I was okay to see him go. Like, I was like, yeah, he's not really adding anything that, like, I not – he didn't seem to be adding a lot to the show. In fact, as I think – I have a sense that like the writers wanted you to dislike him almost so that you'd be okay to see him go. But I almost (laughs) felt like he got more, more cringy as the episodes progressed that he was in because yeah, there was the episode of him in his home. Like he had the party to find when he'd finalized his divorce or something in his house, the pool party sort of at night. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like that episode was, yeah, like it was just, I mean, it was interesting to see all the characters interact outside of the usual office setting because I think there are very few episodes where that happened but I yeah it was like just seeing him you were like oh I I don't think I like him as much as I thought I might yeah I actually and I I think I saw a Twitter some somebody tweeted saying like how sexy is David Wallace and then my um the, the actor who played him oh I'm forgetting his name right now that's awful or she's like, she's like, I totally want to have sex with David Wallace. And then the actor played him. He goes, um, oh, I only sleep with my wife, but trust me, I'm not that exciting. Or so I don't know, something, it was really okay. funny. Like, and, <laughs> but I always loved David Wallace. I thought he was so, he seemed just like, he had a really good head on his shoulder. He seemed like a really good boss and uh, I really admired yeah. him. So yeah, like I was, I was glad to see him come back in the end. Um, yeah. and yeah, like I thought out of all the CEOs that Dunder Mifflin had, I was like, ah, yeah, he stood out to me as like a favorite. Um, he just seemed the most, I want to say normal, but I don't know if that's <laughs> exactly the way I should describe him. But um, like he he didn't seem to have as many, he seemed like relatively grounded in reality 
and he seemed like kind and thoughtful and professional, which yes. was an, and, and like relatively interested in like, I don't know, like seeing the best in people. And like, even like he was a CEO when Michael started at the beginning of the series, right? When I think Michael Hatt was like quite emotionally immature and he was still like kind of thoughtful and considerate towards Michael in the beginning, right? So yeah, like I think he was my favorite for a variety of reasons, mostly because I just, yeah, I thought he was the most thoughtful probably. Yeah. And yeah, self-aware as well. He was, he seemed to be relatively self-aware of himself as well. So. And also I found him wise because he, he knew when to say things and he knew when not to like, when to just kind of go, okay, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like he, he knew when to like take Michael seriously and when to just kind of laugh alongside Michael or let it go. Right. Let Michael's quirkiness go. Yep. I was, I was watching the episode with the, um, Oh, with the commercial when they were doing a commercial and they all wanted to do their own. And then I kept getting that song stuck in my head. Dunder Mifflin, people, papers. I can never get the words right. Paper people's paper company yeah. or something. Yeah. But David Wallace, um, cause Michael goes over Ryan's head to talk to David Wallace saying, I, we want to do a commercial. And then he goes him and he goes, Oh, Ryan's being a little bitch again. And then Ryan's like, I'm here, Michael. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then Michael's like, we want to do a commercial and, you know, I'll show it to you by tomorrow. And David's like, this is weird. And it just made me laugh so hard. Like, he's just like, this is weird. I'm thinking how many things, how many times would he have said that or wanted to say that over the years? <laughs> Probably a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's too funny, but. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Those are actually my favorite. So another time, I th- oh, when when Jan in like first season, when Jan wants him to uh, let somebody go and <laughs> Michael calls and he's asking her secretary, well, who would you let go? And she goes, we just need the name Michael. And he goes, oh, I want to let her go. And she goes, I'm still here. So <laughs> <laughs> How many times has Michael yeah. like, said things over the phone of like awkwardness? <laughs> Yes. Oh man. Michael and his relationship with talking on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could, I feel like you could, you could talk all about like the, yeah. Like he is so, sometimes he's so awkward over the phone. Right. Or like, I would say unprofessional maybe at times. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it provides a lot of like comical moments. Yeah. Or like when Pam, she doesn't put the call through first. She's like, Oh, haven't put them through yet. So he gets out his weirdness, his his awkward things first, and then she puts the call through, and then he's normal. And I was like, "Oh, that's smart." Yeah, she was she she was learning, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Totally. Totally. Funny. Do you remember the episode? Um, oh, it's Pretzel Day, and oh yeah, Pam has to write down. Every, Jan says, "Please write down everything Michael's doing," and so. Michael's on the phone all the time with this guy and he's doing the Cosby impersonation. He goes, hey, 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 Mr. Cosby or something. And <laughs> I get that stuck in my hand all the time. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like Fat Albert. Mm, yeah. You're probably too young for Fat Albert. Do you know? I, I don't know if I know that reference very well. Sorry. <laughs> it was from the 70s and 80s. I think it was like Bill Cosby. Uh, did like a cartoon with Fat Albert and his gang. And, okay. But there's an, oh, I think it's in the first season when 
Michael comes up to Jim and he goes, Fat Halpert. Do you remember that? Oh. And that's a reference to Fat Albert. Uh, okay. No, I, I don't to go and rewatch that. these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will be rewatching it probably till the day I die, as long as I can still access it, right? So. Damn. I heard it. It's going out like we can watch it until January 2021. Oh, and then Netflix is. <gasps> oh, that'll be. I'll grieve when that happens. I'll probably. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime or at least the first seven seasons. Oh, really? I, think, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you can watch all of it. Um, or maybe that's changed since I last heard. Hmm. I know yeah, Parks and Rec is on Amazon Prime. You need to yeah. watch. Yeah, I tried I to get you into that. <laughs> it, it worked. Okay, this is what happened. I was watching it, and it was on a streaming service, and then the streaming service shut down. And I forget what streaming service it was. But oh, there was, was it that. Show Me? Yeah. It was on Show Me, and I I was watching it on Show Me, and then I didn't I like I watched I would say two thirds of the show on Show Me, um, but then it I didn't yeah. Okay, I told you time. once I said I'm sorry, but I think I like Parks and Rec better than The Office. Yeah, you said and you that. were so disappointed, but I okay I, thought, I, I take that back because I think it depends on my mood. It depends on if I'm okay. one or the other. Because yeah. I'll go back yeah. and forth. And I'm like, I love Parks and Rec better. I love The Office better. But why am I comparing? I, it doesn't have to be either or. And I think in some ways, like, there's elements of the show that are very similar in terms of, like, the style of how the show is filmed and put together. But I, I sense that the characters are uniquely their own in both show, right? And there's a different energy to the characters. Yeah. Like, Leslie Nope is not Michael Scott. She is wonderful, like, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful in her own way, right? Oh, yeah. She's, like, pretty much perfect. She doesn't even need to sleep or something. She's yeah. like, oh, I crocheted this whole blanket last night. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> or no, it was, uh, she made she made T-shirts or something mm. for everybody in one night. Um, oh, yeah. Well, Michael Schur did both. He was a writer and I think he, he was a creator of Parks and Rec. Oh. That's a character who I love the most. Moe's. Oh, Dwight's cousin. Played by Michael Schur. Oh, my word. As soon as I saw Moe's, I was like, I love this guy. And every time he was on an episode, I'd be like, yay, Moe's, because he's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) Yeah. He was, like, very endearing in the office. Like, I, I, yeah. Like, he obviously had a pretty minor role. He got a little bit more significant towards the end of the series. But, yeah, he was, like, I liked him quite a lot. He added to... The comp- he added to Dwight as a character, having yeah, yeah quirky cousin. <laughs> I want a cousin like that, man. Like- ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that would be amazing. Not to live with, though. I don't think I live with that because he's weird. But- <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> might don't take have some a getting bathroom. used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember, they have the porta potty <laughs> or yes. outhouse. Yeah. Sorry, not porta potty. Outhouse. The outhouse in the back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good times. For anyone listening who's never seen The Office, which I assume is probably no one since you wouldn't likely click on this if you if you haven't seen it. But I always like, I think I like The Office so much because of the progression of the characters. Like I'm really drawn to that like psychological element um, and the gross and 
I, I had watched the office when it was actually, I didn't fall in love with the office till after it was finished airing on TV. I actually started watching it when it was on Netflix and I actually did not like it. The one I watched like randomly at friends houses, I watched one or two episodes um, when it was actually airing on TV. And I was just like, what is the show? I don't get it. I don't get the filming style. Like it seems really boring. <laughs> so if you've never watched it, like you, in my opinion, you have to give it like more than what, like you have to, you have to give it a chance. You have to watch like a season or two because it's for me, what feels so precious and special is like the progression and the growth of the characters and like watching them, especially watching Michael like mature emotionally and develop like more healthy connections and grow into himself. And it's just like, it feels so special to watch that. So I think you have to give it a chance. You have to watch more than one episode. Um, At least that was true for me. And that's what I would say if you're struggling to get into it, like watch more than one episode, you might have to, it took me almost two full seasons by the end of the second season. I finally, something flipped in me and I fell in (laughs) love with it, but it took like watching almost two full seasons before that happened. So yeah, don't just, don't, you know, discount it too quickly. If you've never seen it, give it a try because, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I just want everyone to love it as much as I do. So, yeah. And then you finally understand all the memes going around. Like, true, true. <laughs> and if you feel left out on the internet, watch The Office, and it'll help you understand The Office memes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But yeah, no. Thanks for having me on to chat about this. I always am up to talk about The Office. So yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know. I and I'll have people say like, "Oh, I watched an episode, or I got into." I had a friend who got into like the second one and she's like, I couldn't, I was like, no, 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 you got to keep going. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's true. It's well, that actually that happened for me with breaking bad. And um, the first episode I watched and I was like, Oh, I'm bored of this episode. I can't. And then my friend's like, no, it's like the best show. And then like a year or two later, I was like, okay, I'll try it again. And I got hooked and I'm like, it's one of my favorite shows. But also yeah. with Parks and Rec, because I remember seeing the first episode after, like, when it first started. And I was wanting it so much to be, like, The Office. I was just so disappointed. And then years later, I found it, and I was like, this is the funniest. But it gets better. Yeah. Season three mm-hmm. is kind of when it finds its, yeah. Finds its uh, groove, yeah. My favorite's, like, when Adam Scott and um, Rob Lowe come. Oh, yeah. Like, because yeah. Mark Brandanowitz, like, I feel bad for the guy. It was kind of boring with him. And then, well, Chris Pratt just being, oh, my word, he's, like, my favorite. And just Ron Swanson. Ah! I love Ron Swanson. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was so nice chatting with you again. Yeah. About the office. Love you, girl. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. So that's the episode on The Office. Hey, if you watch the show, I hope you enjoyed our episode. If you don't watch The Office and you still listened, thank you. And maybe you'll go and check out The Office. Join me on my next episode, December 15th, when we talk about grief. I had the honor of interviewing the mayor of my city here in London, Ontario, Mayor Ed Holder and his wife, Judite.
and I spoke to them about the passing of their son, Bruno, who died in 1996 from a car accident. They share about Bruno, who he was, what he was like, and we honor him and remember him in sharing his story. And they also talk about how they dealt with their grief. It's going to be a really good episode, a really difficult one, but also really important and something I think we can all, something we all have gone through or we all will at some point go through grief in our lifetime. Again, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Steph Up Podcast. You can email me at stephuppodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on my website where I blog about every episode and that's www.stephuppodcast.com. If you want to help me out, you can actually go and rate and review the Steph Up Podcast. So you can go to ratethispodcast.com backslash Steph Up. I appreciate you all. You are awesome. You are loved. I hope you go out there and make it a great day.